Well, we're going to be in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, mostly. The end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the end of 1 Thessalonians. The last four verses in the whole book. And we get to the end of, uh, of some of Paul's letters like this. And, uh, you know, we might be tempted to think that these are just kind of some like a throwaway section, kind of wrapping up the book, you can kind of skip over it. There's not much here. He asks them to pray. He tells them to read the letter. He tells them to, um, uh, he tells them to, to kiss one another and he tells them to, to trust in the Lord. Uh, and so there's not really a whole lot of content. It's not like chapter, the early part of chapter five where there's 13 sub points under the first point. Right. Um, and so we may be, we may be tempted to kind of kind of um, think that this, this isn't that important, but I, but I don't think so. Um, sometimes, you know, my, my mom and dad live in Tennessee, and I've lived up here now for several years, and so I don't, I don't go back to Tennessee that often. I try to a few times a year, a couple times a year. Um, and, and, and some of my family come up here sometimes during, during the year, uh, but, I, but we talk on the phone, right? And, I, and I'll call every, every few days or, or whatever, and usually I'll call my mom, and she'll answer, and we'll talk for a while, and we'll get toward the end of the phone call and we'll start saying kind of the same kind of things that always signals that the phone call is about over, right? Um, I'll ask if my dad's there and, and she'll say, yeah, you want to talk to him? And I'll say, well, I mean, if he wants to talk, I guess I'll talk to him. And she said, well, he said, if you want to, he guess he would. But, but, and so we're like, all right, well, I guess I'll just talk to you later. Right. Or, 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 uh, you know, we get toward the end of the call. We've been on the phone for, for quite a while. And I'll say, well, I guess that's about all I know. I'm just driving or, I'm sitting in the parking lot about to go into pick pack or, you know, and, and, and so I'll let you go. And those are just kind of signals that the phone call is about to be over, right? And sometimes we can think about the end of, the end of these kind of letters like that as well. And uh, I think we're going to see tonight that, that that's not the case at all, at least with this one, okay? And so our, our call to worship tonight was from Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to listen to that again. I'm just going to point out a couple things from there, and then we'll dive into uh, to Thessalonians. But in Philippians chapter four, he says in verse 14, uh, it was kind of you to share my trouble, right? Um, it talks about how they supported him. They entered into partnership with him in, in giving and receiving when he was in Thessalonica. He's talking here to the church in Philippi in Macedonia, uh, but they, they helped him when he was uh, traveling and, and ministering, setting up the church in Thessalonica. Um, and he's talking about, about financial help there. Um, it says that, uh, that he trusted God to supply his every need, but he was relying on them. And he, and he says there in verse 15, you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, when I left, left Philippi, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving itself for you only. And so Paul saw his ministry. He thought of his ministry. He viewed his missionary journeys, setting up all these different churches as not just something he was doing on his own, but as a partnership with these other churches. When he went to Thessalonica, he was in partnership with the church from Macedonia, the church from, from, from Philippi, right? And I think we're going to see that here, here tonight. I, I think about how we support missionaries through our cooperative program giving to the International Mission Board. Um, how, how we support the laymans and pray for them and, 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 and support them financially. Um, FCA, uh, our prayer sheet has several missionaries listed on it that, that we support, the McBrooms, Nathan and Abigail McBroom. Um, and, and, and I think that's what, that's what Paul's getting at here with the Thessalonians at the end of this letter. 
okay? And so I think he's telling them four things. Josh had two points this morning. He said he normally has three, but he had two. Um, I've got four tonight, so that averages three each, so that's good, right? Mine doesn't have 13 subpoints on, on, on any of them. Um, but but, but I, got, I got four points tonight, right? There's four verses, and I, and I think four, four points. And so I'm going to read this, and we're going to get into it. He says in verse 25, Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And I think he's highlighting a partnership here between him and the Thessalonian people. That word's kind of hard to say over and over and over. First of all, he's, he's calling them or reminding them of their partnership in prayer. Okay? And we see that in the first verse, verse, verse 25. He says, brothers, pray for us. Okay? And you may remember just from this morning, if you were paying attention, that Paul just got finished praying for them. Right? Look back at verse 23 of chapter 5. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. And there's other places in the book of, uh, of Thessalonians where he's been praying for them multiple times uh, during, during the writing of this letter. And now he's telling them, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for us. Paul and, and Titus or Timothy and Silas who were, who were traveling with him, I, I want you to pray for us. I, want, I, I need you to pray for us, okay? And, and this is not just an empty request that Paul's making. Sometimes we talk about prayer that way sometimes, unfortunately, right? Where we'll tell someone, I'm praying for you, right? And, and maybe we don't pray for them. Or, or, or someone will ask, can I help? What can I do? Is there anything I can do for you? And our response might be, you know, just pray for me but we don't give that the, the weight that it deserves. And I think when Paul asked them to pray for him, it wasn't just an empty request like that. It, was, uh, it, it wasn't an empty expectation. He wanted them to pray. And he asked them to pray, and he expected them really to pray. Now, we don't know what they were supposed to pray for, because all he says here is just, brothers, pray for us. He doesn't tell them what to pray for, right? So we don't know exactly what he expected them to pray for. We don't know exactly what they did pray for, but if we flip just one page over in my Bible to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verses 1 and 2. This is the same Paul, of course, writing to the same church. He says, finally, brothers, pray for us. So the same, the same command. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. He's asking them to pray that the work of the gospel would go forward, just like it did when he came to Thessalonica. He's asking them to pray that evil would be, uh, would be blocked because not everybody is a believer in Christ. And he's asking that, that evil would not come upon them. And so I wonder, when was the last time that, that you prayed for something like that? We pray a lot for people to get, to get better that are sick, right? We pray a lot for people that have cancer. We pray a lot for people that are looking for jobs. We pray a lot for, for a lot of things, and, and those things are good. We want to be praying for those things, and, and we should be praying for those kind of things. But when was the last time you prayed for somebody that the word of the Lord would speed ahead of them and be honored? When was the last time you prayed that they would be delivered from wicked and evil men? because not all have faith, right? 
What kind of prayers do you pray for the layman's when you pray for them, if, if you pray for them, right? What kind of prayers do you pray for Nathan and Abigail McBroom? What kind of prayers do you pray for uh, the IMB missionaries that we support through our, through our church's budget? What kind of prayers do you pray for uh, other church members here? What kind of prayers do you pray for your pastors? What kind of prayers do you pray for your children and your grandchildren? Does anybody ever pray like that for other kids in the church that are not theirs? They're not even part of their biological family, but are just part of their church family. Paul asked them to pray, and, and he expected them to pray. And he wanted them to pray real prayers that, that matter. Not that those other kind of prayers don't matter for, for physical things, and, and that, those kind of things matter too. But I wonder how much time we spend praying for gospel-significant things that people would be protected from sin and that people would be reading the Bible and would be growing from it, that the Spirit would be working in people's lives. One of the reasons that he asked them to pray is because prayer really does change things. Prayer really does affect things, okay? I'm, I'm going to say some stuff here about this that, that could, could be taken kind of sideways a little bit, but I don't mean for it to. And, and, and then and you, you can't say everything ever in one sermon, right? The Bible says a lot of stuff about prayer. And the Bible says a lot of stuff about God, okay? So what I'm about to say about prayer is not denying anything else the Bible says about God or about prayer, right? We believe the Bible teaches that God is sovereign, that God is the king, that God is the ruler, that God does what he wants, that God does his will, that God does what he is going to do, that God is in control of history, that God is in control of our lives. But or and, shouldn't say but, and, the Bible also teaches that prayer really does have an impact on things. That prayer really does change things. There are some things that will happen if we pray that won't happen if we don't pray. And there's some bad things that won't happen if we do pray and, and might happen if we don't pray. Right? Listen to this passage from Isaiah. We've been teaching through Isaiah in in Sunday school the past several months. Listen to what, what Isaiah tells us in chapter 38 about one of the, uh, Judah's kings named Hezekiah. Uh, starting in verse 1. It says, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord says about your sickness. Thus says the Lord. Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and how I have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, and God said, Go, say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. Okay? There's, there's a lot to talk about to explain how all that works together, right? I'm not at all saying that Hezekiah talked God into changing his mind or, or that God was wrong to begin with or anything like that. 
There's a whole long discussion we could have about that. What I'm saying right now is, if Hezekiah had not prayed, he would not have gotten better. Because he prayed, God added 15 years to his life. Right? And I'm happy to talk about how all that works with, with God doing his, his will and all those kind of things when we have more time. But if Hezekiah had not prayed, God would not have added 15 years to his life. Prayer changes things. Right? We, sometimes we talk about the power of prayer. Right? I believe in the power of prayer. Um, and and, and that's, that's fine. I know, I know what people mean by that. But that's not really good. I, I don't like it when people say that. Because we don't believe in the power of prayer. Prayer is not powerful. Okay? Prayer is not like some kind of spell that a witch does or some kind of incantation that, that, that some other uh, religious believer might do. We don't believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of the God that we pray to. And we believe that if we pray, God hears our prayers and God answers our prayers. Now, we say we believe in, in the power of prayer, and we know what that means, and so I'm not going to get mad at you or let you know it if, if you say it, right? But prayer really does change things. And Paul says, I want you to pray for me. I need you to pray for us because I'm going on to do other, other uh, ministry assignments, and I need you to partner with me in this by praying for me because through your prayers, these things will happen. Through your prayers, the gospel will go ahead um, and, and uh, it will, what does it say, speed along ahead of, ahead of me and be honored, right? Because of your prayers, I will be spared from evil because not all men are men of faith. Paul asked to, for them to pray for him, to become partners in prayer. And we should be partners with one another in prayer. We should be partners with other believers, with missionaries that are sent out from our church, with our pastors here, with other uh, believers here, other members of our church, right? We should be praying for one another. We should be partnering with each other through prayer. The second thing he says is he wants them to partner with him in fellowship. Verse 26 says, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Okay, well, that's weird, right? When we read that, we think, that's weird. We start doing that. And then that is kind of weird. I don't want to be kissing many of y'all. Um, but Paul tells them to, right? I guess I should have said I don't want to be kissing any of y'all, right? <laughs> Instead of many. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But, God, but, but Paul tells them that. He says, he says, greet one another with a, with a holy kiss. So what is a holy kiss? Well, it was customary in, in that day to greet people with a kiss, right? And we know there are, there are places in the world today where it's customary to greet people with a kiss. You might see two men walk up to each other and kiss each other on each side of the, of the face, right? And that's a greeting in other parts of the world, and, and, and that was a, a common way of greeting people at, at this time. And, and there were even some other things that go along with it. Like if you were greeting someone that was higher than you, like you're a subordinate to them in, uh, in, in like the societal structure, the class system, or if it's like somebody that you work for or something like that, you might kiss that person. If you're the lower one, if you're the subordinate one, you might kiss that person on his foot or on his knee or on his elbow or on his hand to show that submissiveness, to show that level of difference in, in, in class. But if you were friends and if you were family, you would kiss each other on the cheek. And that was customary in the church, that they would kiss one another on the cheek. Usually the men would kiss the men, and the women would kiss the, the women. But they would greet one another this way, showing that they were friends, showing that they were family, no matter what class they came from, no matter what socioeconomic position they were in in society, no matter what their jobs were, they would, they, they would treat one another as family, as, uh, as, as friends. 
Kissing one another like this was also a sign of reconciliation between enemies. When there were enemies that, that reconciled with one another and, and got whatever was, was between them out of the way, a, a sign that they were now reconciled was kissing one another. And, and similar to how we might use a handshake in our society today, right? And so Paul tells them, greet everyone, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. And so what does he mean by all the brothers? I don't know if you have a different translation. Some translations may say, I didn't, I didn't look this up to check it, but I wouldn't be surprised if some translations say, uh, greet one another with a holy kiss, right? Because Paul could be saying, y'all should greet each other, right? Y'all should kiss each other, greet each other with a holy kiss. But I think it's more likely that, that the ESV has it right, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I think what Paul's saying is, greet everyone for me, right? I send my greetings. Tell everyone that I say hello. Right? Greet one another on my behalf with a, with a holy kiss. Paul, Paul had a relationship with these people. He missed these people. He loved these people. We can have fellowship with people, but, but Christian fellowship is different, right? We, we can have fellowship with people all, uh, over all kinds of things, through all kinds of things. I remember one of the jobs I used to have, there was a lady that worked there, and we found out that we watched the same TV show. Right? I'm not going to tell you the name of it because it turned out it was kind of a soap opera. I didn't know that when I first started watching it, but then once I got hooked, I found out that's kind of what it was. But that's okay. And it came on on Monday nights, and so on Tuesday, I'd go to work, and we'd talk. Oh, did you hear what Alicia said, or did you see what, what Will did? Or you know, we talk about this, Joe, and if we didn't see it, we'd say, oh, don't tell me because I got it recorded. I'm going to go home and watch it later. Don't tell me what happened, right? But we had this, this connection, this fellowship through this TV show, or maybe it's through sports or some common interest, a music, a band, or something like that. Um, I, was at, I was at Walmart the other day and that Spectrum guy was there with the table in the middle, you know, and I walked by and he's trying to sell me cable and I'm talking to him and I don't want it. And then he tries to get my address just to, just let me check and see if it's available in your area, which means let me get your address so I can start sending you mail, right? And so I said, no, nah, I don't think I'm interested. And I start walking off and he goes, oh, nice hat, man. I love that, I love that guy too. I was wearing a hat of a, of a, uh, a musician. He's like, oh man, I love that, love that guy too, nice hat. And so I turned around and talked to him, right? Even though I wasn't trying to buy cable from him. Because we, we can have those kind of connections with people and fellowship with people through, through that kind of stuff. But that's not what Christian fellowship is, right? If we come together on a Sunday morning and that's all we ever talk about is how, you know, me and Garth get together and talk about how Tennessee beat South Carolina yesterday, that, that, that's, not, that's not good, right? That's not great, it's not best, it's not, it's not what it should be. We can, we can have those kind of interactions and, 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 and kind of tease each other about those kind of things. But Christian fellowship is something completely different, totally different, totally beyond that. It's, it, it's a real, genuine love for each other through Christ. I, I love you and you love me not because I like you. I may not like you, right? Hopefully I do, but I may not. I don't love you because I like you and because we get along and because we like the same stuff. I love you and you love me because of Jesus. Because Jesus has saved you and Jesus has saved me and so now we're brothers and we're, and, and we're sisters in Christ. And there's, there's a love that comes from that. There's a fellowship that comes from that. And Paul's saying, greet these people with a holy kiss. They, they matter to me, they mean something to me, they're important to me. Jesus is the connection. Right? If you've ever been on a, on a mission trip to another country or you ever heard people talk about a mission trip to another country, you, you hear these kind of things all the time where you go to a different place, a different culture, different country, they eat different stuff, speak different language, think different stuff's funny. 
dress differently, their music is way different, but, but there's automatically a connection because both of you love Christ and both of you are trusting in him. And there's just an automatic, you don't have to work to, to get that. You don't have to find something in common to be able to talk about. There's, there's a connection there because Jesus is the connection. And Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss because you all matter to me and, and, and we should matter to each other. We're partners in prayer. He tells us to be partners in fellowship. Thirdly, he calls us to be partners in the word. Partners in the word. In verse 27, he says, I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. Have this letter read to all the brothers. I put you under oath. That's pretty serious. He doesn't just say, hey, read this, everybody, right? He says, I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. That's serious. That's important. That's a big deal. And he says that to have it read to all the brothers, and there's some question there about what, is, what does that mean? Is he talking about read, make sure that you read it to all the members of the church in Thessalonica? Maybe they're going to read it on a Sunday morning in a, in a worship service, read it out loud to everybody. Perhaps there were some people in the church, almost, almost certainly there were some people in the church that were illiterate that couldn't read. And so he's saying read this out loud to everyone, to all the brothers. Maybe read it on multiple occasions to make sure that everyone's there and, and people that weren't there the first time you read it, they can hear it the second time you read it. Perhaps that, that is it, and, and, and there's probably, that probably is, is part of it. But listen to what Paul says over in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 4.16, he says this, and, and this is just like Thessalonians. It's a, it's a letter that Paul has written to the church in, in a town called Colossae, and he says in chapter 4, verse 16, when this letter has been read among you, so after you read it among the church there in, in, in your city, when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Laodicea was a whole different city, right? You, we read about Laodicea in the book of Revelation. Laodicea was a whole different city with a whole different church. And, and so there's a couple things here that are pretty neat. The first one is apparently Paul wrote a letter to Laodicea that we don't have anymore. It didn't survive. We don't know what it says. We don't know what it was about. We don't know. It, it, God, God didn't give it to us. But Paul says, when you finish reading this letter in your church, take it, send it over by messenger, send it over to this other church that, that's near you in this other town, and have it read there too so that they can hear what I've said. And, and while you're there, get the letter I wrote to them or get a copy of the letter that I wrote to them and bring it back to your church and have it read in your church. And I, I think that's probably what's happening here. He wants it read among the whole church so that everyone can hear it, but he's probably asking them to read it among all the brothers, have it passed around, make copies of it, and pass it around to the other cities, the other churches that were, that were close to them. Because this partnership in, in, in the gospel, this, this fellowship that we just talked about, this partnership that they have with one another isn't just between the members of Thessalonica Church it isn't just the, between the members of that church and Paul, but it's between the members of that church and all the other churches and Paul. And, and the reason why is because their fellowship with one another, their partnership with other churches, their partnership with each other is anchored by the shared commitment to the, to the word, to the Bible. They all believe the same thing. This is why there's automatic fellowship that just kind of happens between people from Fairdale, Kentucky and people from the mountains in Ecuador. 
is because, yeah, we're way different. We eat different stuff. Like I said, all that stuff is, is different, but we both believe what the Bible says. And we're both trusting in what God has told us in his word. We're both trusting in Jesus that he sent to die for our sins. And we're both believing that he's alive right now. And we're both hoping and looking forward to and believing that he's going to come back one day. And we have fellowship with one another because we're anchored in the word together. We believe the same things. And Paul says, read this. And once you've read it, go take it and let, let the other people read it too. Let the other churches, let all the brothers and sisters read it. That we might all be committed to the truth that God has given. That we might all be partners with one another through the full truth of God's word. Finally, in, uh, in the final verse, in verse 28, he calls them to be partners in, in grace. Partners in prayer, partners in fellowship, partners in the word. Finally, partners in, in grace. Paul and the church in Thessalonica were mutually dependent on each other, right? He's praying for them throughout the book, throughout the letter. He asks them to pray for him. They need one another. They're, they're, they're dependent on each other. Paul's prayers affect them. Their prayers affect Paul, and they need one another. But they're also mutually dependent on God's grace. They're mutually dependent on God's grace. Look, look back at verse 28 again. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He doesn't say the grace of your Lord, right? He doesn't say the grace of my Lord. He says the grace of our Lord be with you. Paul's putting himself in the same, in, in the same position, the same category of these, these church members, these believers in, in Thessalonica. Paul's an apostle. He's got this calling from God where he's called to be an apostle, to set up new churches, to expand the kingdom, to receive, uh, to receive words from God and write them down to be forever uh, kept and, and used by churches into, into the future centuries. Paul, Paul was an apostle. He had that calling from God. He was also a missionary. And so he was on the front lines going out to different places. There, you read that whole list of stuff that happened to him in Corinthians where he was uh, shipwrecked for a day and a night. And he was beaten with the 30, 30 lashes minus one. And he was robbed and he was not safe in the city and not safe in the country and not safe on the highway and not safe in the back roads. And, and, and all these things happen to him. And he's, he, he's living this way for the Lord and for the sake of the churches. That, that, that more and more people may hear the gospel and that more and more people may believe and more and more people may be organized into churches in more and more places and that the kingdom might expand to go out. That was true of Paul. He was an apostle, called, called, called by God to be an apostle. He was called by God to be a missionary to do this work. But Paul was also a believer. He was also a believer. He was also on the same level as every other believer. He wasn't above them. He didn't, he, he didn't lord himself over them. He didn't act like he was something better than them, above them, uh, higher than them. He didn't. He said, I need you to pray for me. I'm praying for you. I need you to pray for me. Kiss one another. Greet one another because I miss you and I, and, and I love you and you matter to me. When you read this letter, go read it to the other church and have them come read their letter to you because we're all... Uh, subjects under the authority of this word, of the Bible. And he said, we're both trusting in and in need of the grace of our Lord Jesus. We both need the Lord Jesus to be with us. And I'm asking you to pray that he would be with me 
and I'm praying that he would be with you. And we're partnering together. And everything that, that, that I accomplish through my ministry, every church that's set up, every church that grows, every church that started, every person that hears the gospel through, the pre, through my preaching or through Timothy or through Silas or through these young, young men that I've raised up and are, are sending out with me, every bit of that is a work that I'm doing. Every bit of that is a work that you're doing as a partner with me. And every bit of that is a work that God's doing, that Jesus is doing through his grace, through me and through you. So pray for me. Greet one another for me. Read the word. Commit yourself to the word. And trust in the Lord Jesus being with you, the grace of the Lord Jesus being with you. We just read this morning, I'm going to close by reading this, uh, this section right before this that, that we just read this morning. Paul says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for, for Paul. God, we thank you for the work that you called him to and the work that you did through him. God, we thank you for the church in Thessalonica and the believers that were there. And God, we pray that you would help us to follow the example that Paul is giving them. Help us to do what Paul tells them to do. God, might we be faithful to pray for one another. Might we be faithful to pray for those that have gone out from us. And God, might we be faithful to, to, to pray that you would provide for them their physical needs and, and, and safety and uh, and, and that they would get better from sicknesses and, and, and all those things that, that we want to be praying for and that we should be praying for. But God, I pray you would also prompt us to pray for the work of the gospel. God, might we pray for our fellow church members that as, as each one goes to work tomorrow that the gospel will go before them and that they will be protected from evil. God, might we pray that the laymans, even as they're doing their language study in France, God, would you send unbelievers toward the, to, to them, that they would meet with them and give them opportunities to, to speak. God, for, for Nathan and Abigail, would you uh, prompt us to pray for them that as they're preparing to move to uh, England, to, to London, to work with Chinese people that live there. God, we pray that there are Chinese people there right now that your Holy Spirit is already working in to see their sin, starting to see their, their desperate situation. And God, we pray that they're ready, they will be ready here just in a few months whenever Nathan and Abigail get there to hear the gospel that answers those very questions that, that they've been wrestling with. God, help us to love one another. Help us to overlook faults toward one another. God, help us to see one another, even other believers around the world as, as Christians first, as brothers and sisters in Christ first and not whatever political differences there might be between our country and their country, whatever cultural differences there might be between us and them. Father, I pray that you keep us faithful to your word, that we would hold fast to it, and that through that, God, we're, our, our fellowship with others that are doing the same thing is, is deepened. And God, we do pray that you will be with us. We pray that you will be working this in us, even as we work for it. God, we thank you for Jesus, and we pray this in his name. Amen.